planet. For more info, go to danimalplanetradio.com. Is that Mr. Gump? Mrs. Gump? Well, your mama sure does care about your schooling, son. So, what would you little maniacs like to do first? Ladies and gentlemen, now the moment you've all been waiting for. It's the real shit right here. Hello? Hello? It's time now for Danimal Planet. What's that smile on that face? I don't know where you people come from. The Danimal Planet podcast is available by visiting danimalplanetradio.com. All right. Whoa, You want it? Take it! Where do you think you're going? You ready for something? Take it! Now, let's start the show. Oh, hell yeah. That would be great. And welcome to another edition of Danimal Planet Radio. My name is Dan. Glad to have you along with us. Before we get into today's show, just want to throw a quick uh, couple of mentions out uh, for the uh, music portion. Uh, very proud to announce uh, partnerships that I have uh, on the stage with companies that uh, really make our job a lot easier with uh, Credence and some of the other things that I get done. Sennheiser, Sennheiser.com. We use their in-ear uh, wireless monitor systems and for the guitar as well on stage making things crystal clear signals no signal loss or cutouts or anything like that want to thank sennheiser fishman i have a uh, a couple of acoustic guitars that have fishman pickups in it um i also use the fishman sa 330x pa system fishman inspired technology want to thank them for their partnerships and as well as intune guitar picks and dunlop guitar picks as well west tone audio in colorado springs colorado we use their in-ear buds um in-ear wireless systems so check out west tone audio they are phenomenal people to work with their artist relations departments of all these companies are just magnificent Daniel planet radio is available on spotify i just finally got all the shows put up on spotify uh really just this past week don't know what took me so long they're also available on SoundCloud and on Apple Podcasts. So today's show, very excited about it. Randy Johnson, the Hall of Fame, uh, nicknamed the Big Unit. Uh, just had a really fun conversation with him and uh, certainly appreciate his time from his home. Middle of the day, he's in Arizona. This is uh, We're recording this on a Monday, so it's you know middle of the day. We're going through a pandemic, but hey, man, people are still busy. People still got their lives uh, we've been texting for over a week just trying to make sure he suggested today. And uh, guess what? Okay. <laughs> you want on Monday? Oh, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, let me check my schedule. Hmm, yeah, wide open. So <laughs> uh, stay tuned. Coming up in just a few minutes, my conversation with Hall of Fame, but just all, of, all around just awesome guy, Randy Johnson. We met him at the Good Life Festival out near Chandler, Arizona last March. So a little bit over a year ago, we were doing a show with Three Dog Night. I walked around to one part of the stage where a good friend of mine, Jimmy Mack, was working production. And he goes, Dan, you're going to want to go around to the other side of the stage. And I'm like, okay, how come? And he goes, there's a guy over there that you need to meet. It's like, okay. So I did. I went back below and around. And sure enough, there's Randy Johnson just standing there, side of the stage, taking pictures, uh, hanging out. And uh, we just kind of approached each other and just had a nice conversation hung out that night after the show uh, my brothers were there actually they got to meet randy as well randy is you know i mean just hall of fame player everybody knows who he is but just a, a really just genuine uh nice guy you know a lot of people in his position may not be like that you know but he is and uh, just hanging out backstage uh, we had a great time chatting and here we are a little over a year later very very proud to get him on the podcast right here on Danimal Planet Radio, which is coming up next. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are 
tonight's entertainment. I got uh, Randy Johnson on the phone. How's your family doing amidst all the pandemic stuff? Everybody doing well, I hope. Well, yes, everybody's doing well here in uh, Arizona. Our whole uh, state of, uh, of Arizona is, uh, I mean, any loss is too many, but uh, compared to a lot of the other uh, states throughout our country, uh, we are doing reasonably well. And uh, uh, I am obviously Good. the majority uh, that, that hope that uh, we are moving towards uh, the light at the end of the tunnel i'm hoping uh and uh, we're moving on and and uh and we've uh, learned a lot from this that's for sure yeah i bet did you uh, happen to catch the uh the last dance last night on uh, espn uh i did i did i uh actually uh got about 10 minutes into the first uh episode and then uh uh it was interesting uh, I, I think uh, with eight more episodes to go, yeah, um, it's going to be a, a very telling. Uh, obviously, there was a lot of build up to it. It wasn't even supposed to come out for another couple of months, from right. what I understand. But uh, with everything going on, I felt uh, they must have felt like this would be a, a good time uh, to get it out there. Uh, I found it really enjoyable and. You know, up to this point, uh, only two episodes into it, uh, it's, a, it's a good watch. Yeah, so far. Um, so anyway, I was telling some folks, obviously off mic, we, uh, you and I met at the Good Life Festival. I think that's in Chandler, isn't it? Was that was that Chandler? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, March of last year, we were playing with Three Dog Night, and like poof, there you were, side stage taking pictures, and like me and the guys were talking, like you know, we're not going to lie, like we're thinking, man. We're kind of nervous. Don't screw up on stage because Randy Johnson is standing right there uh, taking pictures I of har- us. I hardly think that crossed your mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you guys are you guys are hammering out the songs and uh, you know what a uh, what a what a great day that was. Uh, you know it was uh, just magical. I, I, I love going to uh, to festivals like that and. Mm-hmm. You know, especially being in my backyard here in Arizona, yeah. you know that uh, where you guys where you guys perform there is a, maybe about thirty five minutes from where I live, and oh, that's just a, it was a really nice day. And it sure was. You know, uh, I, I grew up, uh, you know, listening to uh, you know Clearance Clearwater Revival and and Three Dog Night, Rare Earth, Santana, all those bands, simply because I'm the youngest of six kids. Wow, and so. My uh, my two older brothers uh, were listening to a lot of that music, uh, and a little bit of heavier stuff too. You know, Sabbath and mm-hmm. Purple and The Who and Zeppelin. And but uh, you know, there's no doubt that uh, the best music, in my opinion, uh, came from you know the late '60s and, yeah. and the '70s. Uh, so uh, it was an unbelievable day of, of listening to that music. I'm a big fan. Uh, that's awesome. Uh, we were we were glad to have you that day. Uh, so looking it up, obviously you're from Walnut Creek area, Livermore. Uh, do you get back there very often? Uh, well, I was born in Walnut Creek, and uh, I was raised in Livermore, which is about, uh, I'd say, 40 minutes east of, of Oakland. Uh, small little town. Uh, maybe not so small anymore. Right. I actually was back there uh, last year, uh, passing through after visiting uh, my mom up north uh, in the foothills of the Sierras. Nice. Uh, but when I was growing up, you know, there was two high schools, which is a, which means it's a pretty big town. But you know, I guess there was maybe I don't know fifty, sixty thousand people in wow. our town. Now I go back in there, and there might be like a half a million. You know, so. Uh, Everything has grown up uh, quite a bit, but it's always fun going through, you know, uh, the old town and, sure. and actually park actually park the car and walk down the main street and <laughs> you know went and poked my head into some of the stores and asked the sh- the store owners, you know, how long have you been here? And they say forty years, and so I'm thinking, okay, you were here when I was here. Yeah, uh, it's just it's just pretty cool uh, to. Uh, have those memories of going through uh, uh, your your hometown that you grew up in and and going back and 
you know, it's obviously had a facelift and, and sure. been modernized, but, uh, you know, it's just uh, a lot of fun going back there and seeing old friends and going back to my old high school and junior high. And, oh, cool. And all those, all those schools. So baseball and basketball at USC, obviously I'm sure you have no regrets about picking baseball. Um, 303 career wins is almost unimaginable in today's standards because of pitch counts and agents and injuries. 300 wins used to be that like Hall of Fame number, right? As it should be. 3,000 strikeouts, yeah, 500 uh, home I, runs. I think, Do you, I think 300 wins was something like, you know, and these were benchmarks that, you know, might have been, uh, you know, talked about when I was in, you know, maybe the 80s. Yeah. You know, uh, when I was in high school and college, you know, you'd hear benchmarks of what it takes for a player to get into the Hall of Fame, you know, yeah. 3,000 hits, 500 home runs, 300 wins, you know, various things like that. And I think that, uh, I think that the standard uh, isn't quite what it once was, and, and that's no fault of the today's players it's no. just the way the game is it's just the way the game is i think uh, for whatever reason i think i was uh, at the end of the era of baseball when pitchers would go out and pitch six seven innings every five days yeah now that's not so much the case you know uh, if you have a pitcher that is say your number three number four number five guy you're happy if you can get five innings out of him, and then right. the, the the other four innings are taken up by uh, you know split over uh, the guys down in the bullpen. And I just uh, as I became a retired player, which has been eleven years now. Wow, uh, I still I still enjoy watching the game, but I think the one thing that I take from where. I finished, and I finished when I was 46 years old. Incredible. Uh, and and that doesn't happen very often. Um, no. And then I watch, uh, you know, the, over the last 11 years, and I see the, the, the changes of the game. I think the one thing that bothers me the most, personally, uh, is just that organizations aren't going to get the most out of their best pitcher if it's a pitcher that has played in this era yeah. where there is pitch limits. And what I mean by that is, is if I'm a, you know, a highly touted kid coming out of high school or college and I get groomed, I'm in the minor leagues and I've been in the, been in the major leagues now for three or four years, you know, I kind of understand how the system works. Sure. But there's no chance of me throwing the the amount of pitches and throwing the amount of innings that I only heard pitchers before me do. Yeah. You know, when I was playing in the 90s, I heard lots of stories of pitchers that played before me that were doing unthinkable things. Yeah. You know, I probably still could have had the chance to try to achieve those, but, you know, those are just accomplishments that won't ever be matched again for whatever reason. Sure. But in my era, you know, there was lots of pitchers that had the willingness to go out there and pitch seven, eight innings and throw 125 to 135 pitches. And for whatever era, for whatever reason, this era now uh, isn't allowed to do that. And I think that, you know, the uh, the inability for a pitcher to understand what it takes to get out of a real tough situation uh, during the course of the game because he may have to throw ten more pitches in order to do that. Right. The man the manager comes and gets him and has has been having the bullpen you know warming up the last you know ten minutes. That person will come in and either uh, succeed or fail. Uh, put in that situation, and that starting pitcher who's watching on the bench doesn't know what it's like to dig down a little bit deeper right. and really get to the next level of what it takes to understand all about pitching because things aren't going to be easy all the time, and if you're if you're taken out of those situations all the time and replaced by a bullpen guy, you're never going to grow as a pitcher, and I feel like I had that opportunity – 
and that's why I speak uh, really only about that situation. Uh, that is, that's really the only issue I have watching today's game compared yeah. to where I played. You know, it's still still really enjoyable and everything, uh, but I, I just feel like as a pitcher my whole life, since I was seven years old until I was 46, and now watching it the last 11 years, yeah, um, I just feel like that's the one big thing that I think you're doing as a disservice mm-hmm. uh, to pitchers. They're, they're not allowed to grow as a pitcher and learn by their mistakes because they're taken out before they can even have a chance to uh, make that mistake or or succeed yeah. and and understand, wow, I really had to push the limits here and dig down deep, but I did it. Now I understand. And now other people see him do that, mm-hmm. and they say, you know, you, you, you start doing that more and more, and then all of a sudden that's how you get to the next level of pitching. Yeah. You know, that's how you make, that's how you become a household name by, you know, uh, and and accumulating uh, innings and pitches and wins over a course of 15 to 18 to 22 years is if you're out there for if you're out there for the eighth inning because you've extended yourself by throwing 10 more pitches and get out of the inning yeah well now now you're not being replaced by a, a you know a bullpen guy you come in you sit in the bench and now all of a sudden your team scores a couple of runs now you've gotten you have a chance to win the game instead of getting a no decision after pitching seven and a third innings. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And like speaking of like the workload, like especially in today's game, it's like oh, you know, there's a lefty coming up, so we we should go to that left-handed arm in the bullpen. Yeah. I mean, well, everything's about matchups now, too. Right. And, right. You know, so that's that's kind of where I stand. But I, I feel like I vent all the time about that, but I'm really <laughs> not. I just feel like well, it's really how I see it, and you know, I, I, I don't know if. Younger pitchers even understand that you know they're, they 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 probably don't know any better. So I just kind of through my eyes. I think you've earned the right to vent a little bit about. I love I love <laughs> venting. I, anytime I have the opportunity to vent about that one thing, and it's nothing bad. No, of course not. And if you truly and if you truly think about it, I have a valid point, and yeah. and and no one ever has really been able to say why that is. You know why? Why isn't a pitcher left out there like pitchers from my era and before me? Mm-hmm. They they were allowed to stay out there, yeah, and kind of you know within re within reason, yeah. You know, but I don't I don't see five more pitchers. I don't see one more bad. You're coming to you're come you're the manager. You're coming to get me out because you feel I'm done. You know, I'm I, and I could be. I'm right on the borderline, but. You know, for that manager to say, ah, "Leave him out there. Let's let's give him one more batter." Right. That could change. That could change everything. You know. Totally agree. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, and speak- moving on to something else. Yeah, I was just gonna say, <laughs> speaking speaking about pitchers before you. I mean, talking about pushing the limit. I mean, how many three hundred plus inning seasons did Nolan Ryan have? And I read something interesting earlier in your career how he kind of showed you something about your delivery about landing on the ball of your foot. Which which sounded like really turned things around for you. Do you mind touching on that for a moment? Well, it surely did, uh, and uh, and you know he's a great example of um, just uh, just the the achievements, uh, the uh, the superhuman achievements of pitching. And I think you know in the seventies, eighties, nineties, you know if you were a baseball player, a pitcher. Or just a uh, fan yeah. who knew who knew, uh, Nolan Ryan was, and oh, yeah. for me to be playing the game, you know, he was a fan. I was a fan of his, uh, especially having gotten the opportunity to face him a few times, mm. uh, and then obviously become friends with him and and do a few things off the field, some videos and uh, some uh, instructional videos that we had done, but uh, you know. Uh, in 92, um, you know, being in the playing with the Seattle Mariners in the uh, American League West, where the Texas Rangers were, mm-hmm. uh, he had the opportunity to see me pitch quite a bit, along with the pitching coach that was there at the time, Tom House. And uh, there was a there was a time in 1992 where uh, they were visiting the uh, Seattle Mariners, and uh, you know, we were at the ballpark. I'm walking down. Past their past their dugout, and the pitching coach is 
in the dugout, and he says, hey, you want to watch uh, Nolan Ryan throw a bullpen? Mm. And I said, sure. And uh, the reason why that was brought up was because they evidently had been watching me pitch and uh, felt like, you know, a couple little tweaks here and there, and I could be, you know, improve. Uh, sure. And uh, I, I truly felt that was the case. So I, I watched him throw a bullpen, you know, uh, and uh, basically they were hitting on what I was doing and what I should be doing and then watching him do it. Hmm. And so then obviously it was up to me to do it after that and to practice that. But basically, if you can imagine, right before you get ready to land, mm -hmm. I'm landing on the heel of my foot and then you know, kind of spin off as uh, my momentum goes forward, but I'm landing on my heel instead of the ball of my foot. And now if you pick up your foot, when uh, your, your listeners listen to this, just pick up your foot and start leaning forward and then land on the heel of your foot, you'll kind of see you get kind of off balance. Sure. But if you land on the ball of your foot, then all your momentum starts going forward. And that's essentially what you want to do. I was constantly fighting uh, the direction that I was going, and so therefore, there was more stress on my arm to make up for the uh, to correct that. And so, you know, over time, uh, I corrected that through the help of both of them. And uh, you know, by next year, you know, I had my first breakout year. Uh, wow. The velocity it was always there; it was just the inconsistency, and that was due to you know poor mechanics, uh, not knowing where the ball was going to go, and that was because my release point in throwing the ball uh, was inconsistent because my mechanics were inconsistent. And as soon as I got those ironed out, then, uh, you know, uh, 1993 uh, ended up uh, becoming, you know, the first year of really showing me what I was capable of doing. And uh, I think uh, to this day, when I see Nolan Ryan uh, at the Hall of Fame, you know, I, I still uh, have a big smile uh, and still thank him. So. That's a great thing for an opponent to do for another opponent. You know, the art of yeah, pitching. You, uh, you, you don't hear about that. Exactly. No. You know, uh, you know, I think it was kind of, uh, it was kind of hush-hush when it was happening. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> you know, it was too good not to talk about. Of course. Um, you know, 93. You know, obviously 92, I didn't have the... I didn't have the benefit. Uh, I didn't have, uh, you know, I, I wasn't getting the uh, the benefits of it yet. It took me a while to work on that. You know, the next spring training and oh, then a course. little bit of the of, of the '93 season. But by the time I started coming into my own because of that, you know, I think some media people you know, might have remembered that conversation I had. And mm. I surely had mentioned it and. That's great. You know, uh, there wasn't a game that I didn't go, that I didn't pitch well, that I didn't mention, you know, the uh, compliment Nolan Ryan for helping me. So uh, it doesn't happen very often, but uh, obviously I'm very appreciative because I don't know what would have happened had I not had that conversation. Absolutely. I, I well, don't think that I would have, I don't think that I would have be, become the pitcher that uh, inevitably I was. Yeah. Uh, I think I would have been okay, but I don't think that I would have gotten to that next level. Uh, yeah. You know, and there's just, a lot of ingredients that need to come into place. First of all, you have to have good mechanics. I didn't, but then eventually I did. You have to have, you know, the ability you know, for a power pitcher, you have to have a fastball. I did, but you have to have everything else come together. Sure. And then you have to have the desire and the will and the determination. I had all that. Um, so it was really just a matter of, you know, piecing the mechanics together. And then this, it, then it became so much more fun. Yeah. You know, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, struggling uh, could be because as a professional athlete, regardless of wh whatever sport you play, if you talk to a professional athlete or any athlete, uh, all you want to do is be consistent. And if you, if you go out and have a great game today and then the next time you go out and do it, it's really inconsistent. You know, yeah. you're, 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 that's the one most, that's the most frustrating thing. And I didn't know why that I, you know, was, inconsistent until I had that, uh, you know, that last ingredients and then it came together and then it was really fun competing. I and then, <laughs> uh, you know, from that point on, then it was a matter of, you know, and once again, I, I was playing with the Seattle Mariners from 89 to 98 and the first 
four or five years when I got there. I got that help in 93. And then, you know, uh, I also had the benefit of being on a not so good team Mm -hmm. that I was learning my craft and got got to stay out there a little bit longer, I guess uh, you could say. Yeah. uh, in, in games that I otherwise probably wouldn't get that opportunity to do. So, uh, you know, timing for me was uh, was great, you know, back in the 90s. I've got a friend in Seattle, and she says you are extremely missed there. <laughs> you're missed everywhere well, that you've played, I'm sure. I, I've been up there a few times uh, in the last 11 years since I retired, and it's still one of my uh, – Anybody that's been up to Seattle uh, on a nice day up there, and they're few and far between, but uh, but when but when you get one of those days, it's uh, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, there was a reason why I ended up getting inter- moving down to Arizona while I was still playing with Seattle. You know, after yeah. about three or four years of the off season in Seattle, you want to get outside and and be outside and do those kind of things. Well. You're really limited to do be, having the ability to get outside up in Seattle during the offseason. It's cold and wet, and yeah, uh, you know, it looks like it's going to rain every day. So that's when I got introduced to uh, Arizona. We had already had spring training down here, mm. but but that's when I got uh, ended up uh, feeling like this would be a, a good uh, home away from home. I'd say. Danimal Planet Radio. I'm on the phone with Randy Johnson. Uh, I lived in Arizona literally almost the entire time you were in a Diamondbacks uniform the first time. Um, how rare is it? I mean, the Diamondbacks had only been around, of what, two, maybe three years when they brought you in? And then, of course... Uh, actually, one. Yeah. So, the, I mean, the 2001 <laughs> uh, I, World I, Series I, was obviously special I, for I, everybody. I, I got traded in 1998 from Seattle uh, to Houston. And uh, that was the first year... That was the first year of the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, 1998. Uh, and so after my season was over in Houston, uh, I became a free agent. And uh, and there were several teams that I was talking to about uh, playing for. And, and, and then now making my home in Arizona, uh, you know, uh, the owner of the uh, Arizona Diamondbacks at the time, Jerry Colangelo. Uh, yeah. Let Chicago it be guy. known that uh, he he was interested in having me come and play uh, and be the uh, be on the rotation in the rotation, and uh, so it all worked out. Uh, but yeah, they basically uh, had been around one year. I That's got here in '99, and and we were able to uh, turn things around. They went out and got a few more players, and next thing you know, we're winning a World Series in 2001. So yeah, uh, you and greatest greatest moment of my career. Yeah, you and Schilling were just. Unbelievable as that as that one two punch, um, just incredible. Just to see a franchise, yeah, like you said, one year, a couple of years later, they you win a World Series. You just you just don't see that in sports, ever. You know, no, you no, guys, you guys no, really no. had a, a well coached uh, uh, roster. I, I liked watching uh, Bob Brenly manage and um, veteran roster. You guys just had a great mix of players on that team. What what a great team! Um, uh, it was a, it was a vet, it was a veteran team. I mean, if you go position by position at that time you know i would say everybody had at least you know six to seven years under their belt yeah except except maybe you know uh depending upon yeah i can't even you know uh oh it was mark grace was at first base and mm-hmm. you know the year we i was going position by position i mean yeah everybody had at least uh you know seven years under their belt yeah you know the yeah. year uh a lot of the you know, by 2001, a lot of the players that were there in 1998, 1999 were gone now because they went out to get more established players in particular positions. Yeah. Uh, so by 2000, 2001, the year we won the World Series, you know, we had an all-veteran team with, you know, some younger players on the bench and in the bullpen and, yeah. and uh, you know, in the, uh, in the starting rotation as well. But even those... Even the guys in the rotation, you know, had uh, five, six years under their belt, which, right. uh, you know, you know, you're not a rookie after you have five, six years. It helps. And you kind of answered one of my next questions. I was, aside from being a proud father, you're probably your highest professional, proudest moment. Would that be the World Series championship? 
Well, without a doubt. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I played 22 years of, of Major League Baseball and another four in the minor league. So, total of 26 years. <sighs> and every year during the offseason, you're working out and then you go to spring training and there's, you know, everybody's extremely optimistic. People that might have been hurt or healthy and. They might have gone out and got a few players to make your team better so you feel optimistic about your chances. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's hype. And, you know, um, you know, every year I would go to spring training being extremely excited about the beginning of the year. And there was obviously a lot, uh, several years where that didn't happen. And, uh, you know, within about three or four months, you know, you realize that it's not going to happen this year, and, mm-hmm. and then there was other years. You know, you know, my best my best years were here in Arizona, where uh, you know there was a lot of uh, you know, 2000 that the team really came together. 2001, obviously, we won the World Series, and then 2002, you know, there was a lot of everybody was optimistic uh, sure. to try to uh, defend our championship, and then there, you know, yeah. You can't account for injuries, you know, keep players getting hurt or or lackluster, uh, you know, season by certain people. And so it's just uh, that's why it's so important uh, that you cherish those moments, because uh, for some players, you know, throughout the history of the game, you, you, you have multiple championships. Yeah. And so they know what it's like to win multiple championships. And then for others, if you're lucky enough to win one, you get that uh, excitement. And then there's a lot of players that have never even won one championship, right. so they have no idea what it's like. So, you know, for me, winning one, I'm, I'm pretty happy, and, uh, you know, uh, I'm not greedy. And, uh, you know, it won't ever happen again, uh, so I'm, I'm happy uh, with the memories that I have. Well, that's wonderful. And I, as a White Sox fan, and I was a Diamondbacks fan when I lived there, I mean, how could you not be? But I was going to say, your proudest moment probably wasn't the four homers in one inning here in Chicago, huh? No, I remember that, but that but I was also, <laughs> I think, uh, that's when I was with the, the New York the Yankees. Yankees. I think yeah. I was also 41 years old, too. Oh, of course. Uh, but that's no excuse. If you're no. going to put a uniform on, you still got to go out and do your job. Uh, but I was also, you know, I, I was beyond transitioning. I mean, mm. it's safe to say that, uh, you know, I still won 17 games that, that year. It was and a good I won year. 17 games the year before at age 42. My goodness. Uh, but, but you know, blemishes tend to show up a little bit more easier when you're not throwing 98 miles an oh. hour. And, uh, you know, when you're when you're 41, to, you know, the time I retired when I was 46, you know, I'm, I'm facing, I'm not facing a lot of 41 to 46-year-old hitters. No. Uh, because the rosters aren't, you know, filled with those uh older players i'm I'm still facing young young kids that i'm 20 years older than so it's amazing yeah, there was days where i uh where I, I got a beating out there you know and uh i uh didn't shine but uh you know, there was times where you know uh, i also knew that i wasn't the same pitcher and i took a lot more gratification in you know winning a game the way i had to win it back then which was making more, uh, you know, pitching to contact more and getting double plays and, you know, not striking out yeah. 15 to 16 batters, you know. Uh, you know, I, my best years were behind me, but I was actually enjoying that period of my career because it was so much different than the years behind me. Of course. It's funny you, but it's funny you brought that up. I do remember that moment. It was a day game. Day game. There was it was three in a row, and then like two batters later, Tadahito yeah, Gucci or yeah, something. Yeah, okay, we don't need to bring that up. Okay, yet. okay, okay. You know, it was, it, was a, it was a humid day. No, the um, I want to talk about your photos here in a moment, but uh, former yeah. teammate Tim Rock Rains coined you the big unit. Is that a nickname that you liked throughout your career? Uh, well, being a rookie, uh, it didn't really matter to me. You yeah. know, I mean it's. Um, you know, I just, uh, there's so much more going on, uh, when I, I mean, there's so much more going on with my 22 years of baseball. I mean, I don't, 
you know, that was just a nickname. Yeah. Uh, occasionally yeah. it comes up. Occasionally it was uh, said uh, what my nickname was. You know, yeah. it's not that big of a deal. You know, it's also a, in 22 years of baseball, a lot of people see my career highlight being hitting the bird. Uh. You know, uh, so there's a lot more to, uh, you know, 26 years of professional baseball than you know, uh, a nickname, uh, or hitting a bird. Yeah. Uh, You know, I've been on both sides of the track. Uh, I've I've won a lot of games and I've struggled, uh, which made me appreciate when I won that much more. Oh yeah. uh, Because I was on both sides of the track and realized, uh, how hard you have to work and, and how much harder you have to work, um, after you've had success because, like you were bringing up when I was 41 years old pitching against kids 25, you know, it's yeah. their opportunity. Hey, you know, I'm, I'm facing Randy Johnson and most of my highlights were already behind me. Mm-hmm. So it's just the, it's, it's the name out there pitching now me. Right. Uh, whereas a young kid, when he was younger in college or high school, he probably saw me pitching in my prime when I was throwing a hundred miles an hour. And now you know, I'm giving up four home runs in an inning, and everybody's saying, well, boy, he's he's not, you know, this isn't, well, of course it's not. It's just right. what kind of what kind of goes along with the territory, you know. It's still a proud pitcher at 41, and there were still of highlights to me. That, that surely wasn't one, but, you know, when I was on top of the mountain, when I was 32 years old, mm-hmm. you know, there's still moments where you want to kind of bury your head uh, because it's a reflection of your performance, but nobody ever had to tell me. Right. Uh, you know, nobody had to tell me when I didn't do my job. I didn't need to see the headlines the next day, although I did. I didn't need to, you know, watch ESPN or Baseball Tonight or any of that. I knew when I did my job because I, and I knew what was expected of me. Um, so when I won a game... That's what I was supposed to do for my team. That's what people came to expect sure. from me. And there's a great deal of pride in that. When I lose a game 2-1, to one, uh, is there any more satisfaction in losing a close game? Well, I suppose because, you know, it's not as ugly as giving up four home runs in one game, uh, one inning. But nevertheless, yep. it, when you look at my stats at the end of my career it's still a loss so uh you keep you keep uh, your team in the game yeah there's a lot to dissect and you know i could go on about this uh you know for hours but uh i think you know uh the transition period of me learning how to pitch you know as i was i didn't have a lot of people to watch at six foot ten to kind of watch uh watch how they went about their job uh yeah you know, so the help that I got from Nolan Ryan, Tom House uh, in in '93 helped. Uh, I already had the desire and the and the God given gift of, of of a fastball. It just all had to kind of come together. And then, you know, even when everything kind of came together, there was rough games and good games. But that's that's the beauty of of yeah. being a competitor and going out there is nothing is going to be mailed in and their uh, your opponents aren't going to mail anything in and you're not mailing anything in there was probably times where as i was older i beat people that you know uh, i i got the best of people maybe when i was older that nobody expected that just like nobody expected me to lose on a, a, a day where you know i was young and going out there and having a hundred mile an hour fastball sure so uh, it's all kind of it all kind of just as in one big old kettle, yeah. you know. The ugly games, the good games, the losses, the wins. Uh, it's just in one big, uh, big old uh, <laughs> mound of mound of baseballness. You know, well, it's it, it was a great career. Congratulations on it. And uh, switching gears, just you know, real quick, more photos than fastballs. Now, I think is the way you put it. Uh, I see you dabbling drumming as well. Something about Neil Peart donating a kit. But you take amazing photographs, and I've noticed this from your Instagram. Uh, you've had an eye for the strike zone, and now you have an eye for taking some really stunning pictures. Have you always had an interest in photography? or? 
Well, I appreciate that, Dan. Uh, yes, and for your listeners that want to follow or give it a look, uh, I have a website, too, and I've come to realize that uh, that I think uh, with the younger generation uh, now, I always enjoyed, you know, not everybody's got a computer, first of all, but obviously you can, you know, utilize your phone or your tablet or whatever, but uh, I do have a, a website, and that is RJ. 51photos.com and then my Instagram is the same handle rj51photos Um, I started studying uh, uh, photography in high school and then I had to have a major I I got a scholarship to go to University of Southern California and play baseball there Uh, I actually uh, you know started uh, doing some photography work for for the college newspaper and Back then, you're thinking, okay, this is 1983 that I'm talking about, so there was no digital cameras. It was all film. So I got to learn uh, how to develop film and be in the dark room, and I was being introduced to going to concerts then, and and the beauty of going to a concert and, and doing photography is kind of really where it all started back in the early 80s in college. Uh, you know, the, uh, the, the photo editor of the Daily Trojan, uh, on on campus there would send me off to something and go to a concert take a few pictures so we can have someone do a review of the show yeah well and that that continued for about three years and i really got introduced to photography then and, and then obviously when i got drafted in 85 uh, i went off to uh, start my minor league uh, four years of minor leagues and so photography took a little bit of a back a back seat um but i still talked to photographers and i still had a camera just wasn't as plentiful as the opportunities because I was so busy and concentrating on on some a, a different passion. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and that took up a lot of my time. But but truly, when baseball ended in two thousand and nine, um, I had uh, I didn't have uh, I didn't have too long uh, to really get back in the swing of things. Uh, I've enjoyed traveling immensely around the world. I do a lot of traveling for the USO and support our men and women that serve our country. Awesome. Uh, uh, I've traveled to Africa on four different occasions in different regions there and seen different things. Um, do motorsports. I enjoy, um, you know, shooting concerts, uh, much like yourself being a friend. I've had other friends, uh, early in my baseball career in Seattle playing there for 10 years. I got to meet the the, the guys in Allison Chains and oh, yeah. Pearl Jam and Soundgarden. And say, so, Chris, when Chris Cornell, over, yeah. so when my career was over, you know, uh, it, having stayed in touch with all these friends, you know, it was the opportunity to bring a camera to a, a Soundgarden show <laughs> and take pictures or Pearl Jam or, uh, you know, and obviously you know, baseball uh, kind of opened the door for me getting into uh, opportunities that maybe I wouldn't normally get. Sure. Uh, you know, being able to be on stage at uh, Elton John or a Billy Joel <laughs> or Metallica, you know, I mean, these are big bands, and here I'm kind of like in the shadows getting getting to take photographs because it's a one-time opportunity, Amazing. and I've met someone affiliated with those uh, bands that is a baseball fan, and I think that's why I got, you know, the ability to be on stage, or or at least allowed to take pictures. And so, yeah, you know, yeah. Um, you know, people see my pictures and uh, they enjoy them, and it's a great release for me. It's a great opportunity to try to be creative and keep myself busy. And uh, if I wasn't doing that, if that wasn't my outlet, I really wouldn't have anything else to fall back on sure i probably yeah. wouldn't enjoy traveling as much i would see my destinations uh, i see my destinations a little bit differently having a camera around my neck than i would if i didn't yeah i, I think i i tend to explore a little bit more I'm, I'm willing to take a chance on seeing something uh in uh in the morning at night i, I make a point of you know those opportunities whereas if you weren't there to take pictures you'd be sleeping in and for me i enjoy getting up and you right. know five o'clock in the morning and and already having a destination of where i want to go when totally. the sun comes up it, it could be in rome and and getting the sun coming up behind the coliseum there you know <laughs> or 
you know, in Africa, you know, yeah. it, 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 it could be anything. And it's just, uh, it's the greatest thing. Uh, not saying that uh, I'm a great photographer, but it's, I leave that up to the people sure. uh, that look at my work. Uh, but I have learned a lot, uh, over the years from other accomplished photographers, uh, had the opportunity to, to do a lot of fun things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think, uh, I just try to, to make the best of it and enjoy my, my uh, opportunities. Yeah, and lastly, uh, once uh, life comes down to earth, more or less, is there a place on your wish list that you haven't visited that you want to take photographs of? Well, I mean, there's just, my goodness. I Tons, mean, probably. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I never, I, I, and then, you know, as a photographer, and anybody that's listening out there on your podcast, if they're a photographer, I'm sure they can relate. When you're watching a Nat Geo uh, episode of, you know, the, the Great Migration or something, uh, you know, you, you tend to watch, or, or even anything, you know, uh, a movie, you tend to watch the photography, the, the, the camera work, uh, how the, the angles and all that. And I just think that I view things so much differently than maybe I did, you know, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, and especially now the last uh, 11 to 15 years, uh, having a, a, a camera up to my face, I, I tend to, you know, always try to think, well, how can this picture be a little bit different than somebody else's? And uh, I don't know, I just, uh, I just enjoy taking photographs and, and uh, sharing my uh, opportunities that I, uh, that present themselves. And, and I think that's one reason why I post so many uh, travel pictures yeah. uh, on my Instagram. But, but uh, you know, it's still uh, safe to say that any time I post a picture of me in a uniform, it's going to get liked a little bit more than right. a picture uh, uh, from my travel. And I yeah. guess I, I have to uh, come to grips with that. I, I just, uh, you know, you post a picture of your travel, and I kind of want it to, to be, uh, you know, enjoyed as much as I enjoy it. Uh, and based on the results, you know, on Instagram, you know, you can like a picture, you know, you don't get as much, uh, you don't get as much, uh, props from my, I don't get as much props from my photography as I would if I posted some silly picture of me in a baseball uniform, you know, right. uh, and people, and, you know, people in my inner circle say, well, they just, they know you as a baseball player and that's always going to be the case. So, uh. Uh, but it's still nice to share my photography, and I think a lot of people uh, see a different side of me now uh, uh, through my uh, pr my photography. So, well, it's incredible, and uh, what you've accomplished, uh, you know, on the field is obviously amazing. You've battled back through so many injuries and throughout your career, fighting and dominating, and showing like younger athletes that success through like drive and determination is achievable. And as myself, as a young kid and fellow left-handed pitcher growing up. We always looked up to you, and I, I now appreciate your friendship and being a former resident of Arizona. You've got roots there. You're, you're a hero both on and off the field. You're great. I can't thank you enough for your time. I know I kept you a little bit longer than I said I would. No, Dan, I, <laughs> I, 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 uh, I enjoy talking, and uh, I appreciate your friendship, and, and I'm looking forward to uh, you know my, my, my thoughts and prayers are with everybody uh, yeah around the world and uh, you know obviously our country as well that has been affected by this one way or the other mm -hmm. and uh and my prayers go out to all the first responders that uh that are trying to help these people uh you know they're putting themselves on the line and uh well your I son guess, is a uh, police officer yeah what's that is your son a police officer yes yes yeah yeah here in phoenix so uh, he obviously comes in contact with a, a lot of people on sure. a daily basis so uh wow. you know um i just uh i just uh, hope uh, in time uh and it's going to take some time uh for us to get back to what we consider normal it could be a year it could be six months i don't know it could yeah. be several years but uh uh, uh it's definitely been an eye-opening experience uh uh and uh, I guess in some ways uh, it has pulled us all together a little bit closer, and it's unfortunate that something like this has to happen for us sometimes to uh, right. 
be a little bit closer with our fellow uh, men and women uh, of society. Uh, but um, I'm hoping that uh, when this is all said and done, that uh, everybody will remember where we came from and we'll, mm-hmm. we can be a stronger country. Real, real quick, I'm sorry, one last light note. I read something somewhere where you gave your slider a nickname, uh, Mr. Snappy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't know how that came about. Uh, that was uh, that was in the early that, that was in the early nineties. Uh, in the early nineties, I was doing a commercial. Uh, we did uh, promotional commercials for uh, season tickets uh, in Seattle, and uh, I had to know, ask. I, I I have no idea how that came about, but yeah. Did you ever uh, you ever say that? That that right right up there with the. Uh, a meaningless nickname called Big Unit. Yeah, I mean, do you ever say that? Like you're <laughs> you're staring down, you're staring down, and, and the catcher's going through his signs, and you're like, no, 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 I want Mr. Snappy. Let's give, let's give him. Mr. Yeah, well, here, here comes it's Mr. Not like Snappy. Anybody, I, I, I don't think too many people call me Big Unit, uh, and I don't think any, my catcher ever said, hey, yeah, you had a really good Mr. Snappy today. <laughs> <laughs> I just think I just think those are little cliches of little baseball <laughs> baseball silly things that I don't think people really uh, I think you know bring up uh, all the time they're little nuances I guess well, of, of me and my career we could we could end it on Mr. Snappy how about that <laughs> yeah let's let's do that because I, I'm just speechless after that well hey you, like you mentioned at the beginning it's the middle of the day go enjoy a nice lunch or whatever enjoy the sun yes. and uh, thank you so much and uh, as soon as life gets back to normal I'll be down in the Phoenix area and we'll play golf I look forward to that Dan good luck to you and be safe out there same to you Randy thank you very much all right bye-bye bye well there you have it my conversation with Randy Johnson right here on Danimal Planet Radio. DanimalPlanetRadio.com. The show is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Um, so, yeah, Randy Johnson uh, met up with him uh, last year at a show and uh, just really uh, just an awesome guy. Talked to him in person. Same, same kind of conversations with him. So uh, that was fun. Johnson gives it a ride, deep left field, Smith looks up, gone! They're ecstatic in the Diamondbacks' dugout, Randy Johnson just hit his first career home run. Oh my! Smile. Look at the bench going crazy for the Diamondbacks. First time he's ever done that, and I think that's the first four-seamer that Doug Davis has thrown tonight. Four-seam fastball right down the middle of the plate and ended up in the Brewer bullpen. And Randy Johnson's the guy that did it. <laughs> Look at that. He's so serious. He, he tries to get through it. They're beside themselves. <laughs> you are listening to a podcast of Danimal Planet. For more information or to enjoy other podcasts, please visit danimalplanetradio.com.